Hey everyone, welcome to our 20 minutes of tefillah. I figured since we are in the days of uh, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs's Shiva, it'd be apropos to focus on something um, which he wrote about and he spoke about at great length. Rabbi Sachs really had a tremendous love and passion for tefillah. And he felt that it was his mission to truly re-engage the Jewish community and to really explain it to the entire world, the power of tefillah and its importance. And one of the parables, one of the examples that he often uses uh, is this notion that just like we need exercise, quote in the name of Rabbi Yudah Halevi, the great 11th century poet, said that prayer is to the soul what food is to the body. That really without tefillah, without prayer, something within us atrophies and truly dies. And it's possible to have a life without tefillah. It's possible to have a life without prayer. Just as, let's face it, it's possible to have a life without music, without love, or without laughter. It's possible to have such a life. But what type of diminished life would we end up living? We've been missed out on total dimensions of the human existence. And that is exactly what Rabbi Sachs would often write about. How important was it for the human, for the person, for the Jew to be able to pray to God? It was vital for their, for a person's survival. And I, and I think this idea that Rabbi Sachs often spoke about and trying to bring back the vitality of tefillah, and he did it in such a powerful way. He did it often through the intellect understanding what we are saying, appreciating the depths of Chazal, appreciating where the rabbis came from and trying to give us a greater context of the meaning of the connections of prayer and the various tefillos that we actually recite. And But he also did it with a sense of passion. He did it with a sense of emotion. And he felt, of course, that was integral and essential to the tefillah, to the prayer experience itself. And another one of the examples that he gives besides this uh, comparison that he has from uh, Rabbi Yudah Halevi is also exercise. Not just, you know, the notion that a person needs to eat and that, that the prayer is to the soul, what food is to the body. That was said in the name of Rabbi Yudah Halevi. But the other parable that he often gave was about exercise. That it's true we can lead a life without exercise. It's possible for a person, you, you can live without exercise. It's not recommended, it's not healthy, but we need to be able to exercise our bodies in order to maximize who we are. And it would be a failure. And by the way, our brain is also a muscle. If you don't use the muscles in your body, they atrophy, they fade. We, they, they, they're not used and they're not maximized to a great extent. And explained Rabbi Sachs, that's exactly the function of tefillah. That is exactly the function of prayer. That we also, we need to be able to have this understanding and comprehension and really develop this sincere relationship with the Baruch Hu and with God. And is that really, this conversation, it's the language of the soul, that our neshama is the function of prayer. And that's the, to quote Rabbi Sachs in his introduction, he wrote an incredible introduction. I'll lift it up for those of you that are, that are looking that can see it. He wrote an incredible introduction. Actually, I got to, um, I'm opening up now the first page. Um, the first page is from April 2010, 5770 in ER. So about, uh, you know, 10, 10, 10 and a half years ago, I had two students, Avi 
and another student sent it, and they donated about, I don't know, 30 or 40 Rabbi Sachs Sidurim to JLIC. One of the, very, very, very long time ago, um, you know, the uh, second or third year of our uh, inception over here. That's the, that's the Sidur that I'm using right now to, uh, to, uh, to, help, to help, shall we say, give us a context of today's, of today's topic and probably many more talks over the next upcoming weeks. So I got to uh, I got to recognize that as I'm flipping here to uh, to the beginning. But is an introduction to this sidur. And by the way, I actually believe, not that I'm an expert, but from what I've read, this is one of the greatest introductions on tefillah that exists. Is Rabbi Sachs's introduction to this sidur. It is un. It's unbelievable. It's worth reading every word page by page and being my eye in it and reading it carefully and going over it. Maybe I'll, uh, well, I'm going to do some of it now. So there we go. But it's worthwhile not just having 20 minutes, but, you know, reading bits and pieces of it on a regular, on a regular basis. And explains Rabbi Sachs. That's his opening line. Prayer is the language of the soul in conversation with God. And it truly represents, you know, when you want to talk about what is a religious person do, a religious person prays. A religious person doesn't necessarily study or learn. That can be purely an intellectual exercise. But prayer but tefillah, that is a religious exercise. And I, you know, it really, really um, connects to the deepest component of what it means to be part of the Jewish faith, to be part of the Jewish people. And in many ways, just like the world that we live in, it didn't come into existence because of some accident, because of some, you know, random forces acting on each other but rather it was willed into being. There's a sense of purpose and meaning to the world that we live in. And that's exactly the function of the Sidur, of Tefillah, is to demonstrate on a regular basis, on a daily basis, that it's our health, that it's the mountains around us, it's the snow that falls from the sky. All of these things are not bereft of meaning and purpose. The universe, there's no question about it, exists. And we exist as well because... God brought us into existence with love. It is this belief more than any other that redeems life from solitude and fate from tragedy. That is the beginning and end of the paragraph in Rabbi Sachs' introduction to tefillah. It's really an, it's really an amazing thing. Yesterday, I discussed an idea that I want to share again today, you know, with a little bit of a, of a nuance to it. And that is the following. You know, there are two components, there are two main components when we talk about tefillah. And in many ways, these two components get lost. And also, in certain ways, these are the two components of what it means to be part of the Jewish people. And they are the following. There are two components of what it means to live as a Jew. One is tefillah, and one is Tamu Torah. One is prayer, and one is study. And these two exercises are very, very different from each other. One focuses on, in many ways, our relationship with God, how we're, how we're supposed to understand God, how we're supposed to relate to God. That, in many ways, is, that's Talmud Torah, that's learning, that's studying. Tefillah is not that. Jewish prayer, prayer is not that at all. Prayer is, in fact, the other direction. It's, it's we, it's not us understanding God, it's us asking something from God. Is us trying to request things for God because we realize how small we really are and how limited we really are in our being and our existence. Learning says, what are you talking about? I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to comprehend God. I'm trying to, I don't need anything from God. I'm going to try using my mind and try to understand the world I live in, the relationships that I have with, 
with the Baruch Hu, the human relationships, the facets of the world, the intricacies of the universe, you know, the, the Baba Kamas and the Baba Metsias and the Baba Basras, the intricate details of damages and relationships and property and holidays, those are the intricacies of every aspect of life that we lead, that's trying to figure it out. That's Talmud Torah. Tefillah, Jewish prayer is not that at all. It's us taking a step and realizing we are limited. We actually don't understand everything. We, we see around us the incredible mountains and hills and valleys and hopefully not so soon and snow, right? And the grass and the world that we live in. And we are truly in awe of everything that is there. That's an amazing thing. And that's a beautiful thing. But it's recognizing that we are limited. How long have we been on this earth for? A couple decades? A few decades? That's nothing. It's a drop. It's not even a drop in the vastness of the sea. It truly is so. We are so limited who we are and what we are. And that's why, you know, I, I think the idea of when a person realizes these things, that's why tefillah is so important. That's why it's a true demonstration of faith. It's faith in recognizing that I am limited. You know, and that's why when we say the word amunah, it really means faith. What does that mean, right? We've said this many times. How vast, how great is your amunah God in us that you, we, we woke up today? That God has faith in us, and that is why we are here. And recognizing that we need others, recognizing that we need others in our life, ultimately attests that we are limited and we are finite in our potential and our abilities. And that, I believe, truly is the main function of what tefillah is all about. And that's why Rabbi Sachs really emphasizes this a great deal and why it is one of truly, truly been, uh, a demonstration of ultimate faith. What is, what's the expression? There are no atheists in a foxhole. When a person is in trouble, when a person is in a state of, of, um, of need, of course, we turn to God. And that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's one message. And the second message I think that is also it's so, so fascinating, especially from a Jewish perspective, and that is um, there are two aspects in general of tefillah. And that is one which is the individual tefillah, and then there's a public tefillah. There's what's called, I guess, you know, private meditation, this personal plea, and there's this public type of tefillah, this public type of a prayer. And, you know, when you take a look at, especially in, in Tanakh, in many cases, you have these individual prayers. Where do you see examples of this? Well, we just had it, um, Avraham, right? What does he do? He prays for Avimelech. Avimelech was sick. He prayed for him, right, in order to heal him. Moshe Rabbeinu prays for his daughter, uh, for his uh, sister. Kelna, Rafa, Na, La. Right? Those are individual prayers. Very short, concise. I'm not saying, you know, and, and, and by yourself alone. They're not with other people. It's a private petition that an individual has with their creator of the universe. That's one type of tefillah. That's one type of prayer. We see it again in the beginning of Parsha Toldo. So how can I not, how can I not mention that since, uh, you know, that's coming up in, uh, next week. And that is, of course, the tefillah, personal petition that, of course, Yitzchak had and that Rivka had for a child. Again, those are examples of private prayer. And 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 there's many examples of them in the Tanakh itself. But then you have this communal prayer, right? You have this idea of literally known as a, and what we look at almost as korbanos, as sacrifices, or this communal service, this avodah, is a totally different facet of the prayer experience, right? And the sacrifices, right? The korbanos, 
you often have that as well. And, and these two aspects, by the way, are two aspects that the Gemara says itself. Meaning, where do we get our tefillos from? Where do we get our prayers from? So they come from two different sources, says the Gemara. One source is Avot Tignu, our forefathers, shall we say, enacted them, right? Forged them. If Avraham came from Babuker, that's the morning. Yitzchak Lasoch Basel from Arav, that's in the afternoon, and the evening is with Yaakov. If right, each one of the Avos represents a different time of actual prayer. Those were the three different times for prayer, and that's what the um, one opinion of the Gemara. The Gemara says, no, 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 it's connected to the sacrifice of the Karbanos, meaning. The Tamich, we had two twice a day. There were these daily sacrifices, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And by the way, over the nighttime, yeah, that was the hectare varim, that the, the whatever leftover components of the sacrifices were stayed on the Mizbeach, on the altar, throughout the course of the evening. And so, you know, what is this? What's going on over here? Are they the forefathers? Or are they the sacrifices, which of course represent the Jewish community, the Jewish people in the temple? And the answer is those are the exact two. Dimensions of prayer. The personal petition, the Abrahamic petition, the Isaac petition, the Jacob petition, and then you have the communal concept of tefillah as well. And that's exactly, I believe, what the Gemara is saying in Brachos, is that these two dimensions of tefillah, they're not, they're not, you know, they're not in contrast to each other, but rather they literally have to be seen as the two, two sides of the exact same coin and how do we you know how do we really see this manifest itself in so many places so we see it just in a practical perspective that listen you could turn to god whenever you want we have an ability to turn to call out to god whenever we want after all and this is a perhaps we'll talk about this another time says I once read many years ago, it might be a wrong Nusach. You sometimes see Nusach Sfar say Tvat Kopeh, brackets Amrei Brachamim, right? Those are two different Nusach which got mixed up. Nusach Sfar is Tvilat Kopeh, not Amchai Yisrael, right? There's a Machlogas. Is that God, are we focusing on God and, and the universal component? Or is it the Jewish component to it? Okay, two different traditions. And by the way, you hear this? It's amazing. Every individual has an ability to turn to God. And at the same time, we know different communities had different concepts of tefillah. You go to Ashkenazic shul, they mumble the whole time, right? Go to Sephardic shul, they sing. Have you ever heard of a Sephardic rabbi that doesn't have a good voice? It doesn't exist because it's part of the rabbinic communal need, right? Uh, and that's part and parcel. Uh, of 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 the experience, right? Right now at the bite, you have Rabbi Taub uh, and Rabbi Krabkin, two of the, the two of the rabbis at the shul, right? Rabbi Taub was a former rabbi, and Krabkin's a current rabbi. Rabbi Krabkin has a beautiful voice. Rabbi Taub hated davening. He, had, he didn't have a good voice. He wasn't interested, right? He shied away from davening all the time. He davened on your sites, but that was it, right? Rabbi Krabkin, he loves davening. His beautiful voice. He's very much into music. So again, we see there's different flavors that people have that rabbinic leaders have in the Sephardi world. Maybe just you know being over generalization over here. Sephardim, we hear the music, the melodies. It's much more part of the culture. It's much more part of their tefillah, their prayer culture. Really, it's truly, it's actually amazing. And this is also true, right? You go to you know Nusach Italki and Italians and the Gra and the Nusach Ari. Tefillah, how you pray, is so particular to the culture, to the community that 
you were a part of. Now, it's true in North America and Toronto right now, you don't really feel it. We're a bit of a chillin'. But if you, if you go back, you know, the original Jews in Toronto, the Orthodox Jews in Toronto, came from Poland, which is why Nostos Fart is so prevalent in Toronto. You know, down south, you have Shomar Shabbos, you have Clanton Park, you have so many Nostos Fart shuls because that was the original community in Toronto. Later on, you have the B'nai Torah and the Baid, which were the Ashkenazic shuls, right? That was a much later development. In Toronto, only in the 1970s, really, do you begin to have Nusach Ashkenaz shuls um, in Toronto. That's because the original Jews that were here were Nusach Sfar Jews, or Polish Yidin, and they davened uh, more of the Hasidic, uh, Hasidic style. Just as a, uh, I digress for a few moments when we talk about tefillah, but again, it, it's part of these two components of the individual and the community as well. You know, and I think these, these, um, these are very, you know, powerful components of tefillah, and we see them throughout, throughout, throughout davening. And that's why, you know, it's interesting as well. So you have these two components: you have the components of tefillah and the components of tamu Torah, two ways to relate to God. Then you have your individual, then you have your communal, and really, all of these come together at various points in time during davening. I'll give you just a, a few examples, right? Um, number one. Shema Yisrael. Shema Yisrael, which quote-unquote is the Doraisa, the biblical obligation, it's not even a tefillah. It's not even really a classic prayer. It's more a call to action. Shema Yisrael, right? Hearken, hero Israel. Hashem Akeinu Hashem Echad. Right? We're making a declaration as as we're, as it is known. We're being the Kabel Omachu Shemayim. We're accepting. We're part of the team. We're part of God's team. We're accepting responsibility. We're accepting the mitzvah upon ourselves. We're we're accepting avas Hashem. Right? Those are things that we are accepting. That we're calling on ourselves to begin to fulfill. And what, what's what's so important about that is, and that that precedes the, as Rabbi Sack said, that precedes the Shema Kolenu. That precedes the Tefillah. We go from Shema Yisrael to Shema Kolenu. Shema Yisrael is speaking to Israel. Speaking to Israel as the individual, and Israel as the collective, as Israel as the communal. Shema Kolenu is said in the plural, but it's also recited by the individual. You have both of these components that are happening in tandem. And in many ways, Rabbi Sachs said, you first have to say Shema Yisrael. You first have to accept the yoke of, the yoke of Hashem. What does it mean to be part of the team? By the way, what's a yoke? The yoke is what you put on an animal. It maximizes the physical ability of an animal. You put a yoke on an animal, not that we do this anymore, but in the olden days, to evenly distribute the energy, to harness the energy of the animal, of the cow, or whatever animal you're using, right? So with that, when you when you kind of like use the energy of the entire animal, that's what a yoke is. And in many ways, that's what we're doing to ourselves. We're maximizing who we are by accepting the mitzvahs, by accepting Avas Hashem. That's exactly our function. Okay, there's so much more to talk about <laughs> This is literally just a, a drop in the bucket. Uh, there's so many more themes to develop, tools to develop, God willing. It's a good thing we have, God willing, many Wednesdays in front of us that we will continue for a long time. But for now, as I see the clock in front of me, we're nearing 20 minutes. And so we're going to end there for today. Look forward, please, everybody, to join us again next week, next week on Wednesday, as we continue to spend at least 20 minutes a week trying to appreciate and understand a little bit more of Jewish prayer of tefillah. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you again very soon.